0: We have been in this um, kind of season, if you will, of deconstruction and then reconstruction. As you know, we're now in our 10th week of the Elemental Series. Season one happened before the Little Letter Series, right at the beginning, or towards the end of the summer, I should say, or end of the school year. We are now ending our second season of the Elemental Series, and we've been talking about reconstruction. And um, it's, I, I hope that you've been reading along with the series guide, or you've been getting those push notifications every single day or listening online because I thought that this series guide was just incredible. And I say that because A, number one, I didn't write it. And number two, um, Pastor Dave from our Chattanooga campus wrote it. And I thought he just really, really framed this idea of reconstruction in a really beautiful way, very thoughtful, very intentional. And as I was reading it this week, as I was preparing for the sermon, there was a phrase that hit me and like I, I had to stop and be like, oh, what, how do I feel about that? Is that real? Is that right? And then it became so interesting that the sermon may kind of have f- kind of flowed from this thought. This is what he said, and I think it was day five or day six of this week's series guide. He said, reconstruct, the word reconstruct and wrestle just might be synonyms. Difficult, but worth it. And as I was reading that, it just really hit me. And what way are they synonyms? And why does this ring so true? So I thought we should go to the scripture that he was quoting and do kind of a deeper dive to see if what he's saying is really true and how that plays out. So we'll be studying the story of Jacob as he wrestles the man, it says, in, um, in the New Living Translation. I'm reading from the New Living Translation. That is what will be up on the screen. You can read from whatever you like. It begins Genesis 32, verse 22, like this, during the night... Jacob got up, took his two wives, his two servant wives, and his eleven sons, and crossed the Jabbok River with them. So, long story. Uh, to get to this point. But Jacob, son of Isaac, he was a twin, and it was said that he and Esau, his brother, were wrestling in his mother's womb, in Rebekah's womb. So he was always a little bit of a mama's boy. Second, um, second of the twins born, born holding on to the heel of Esau. He steals Esau's birthright, who was first born, and you know that story. He puts, you know, the skins of animals on his arms and goes and he takes the birthright from um, Esau, by way of his father, Isaac, who was very old and didn't have good sight at the time. If you don't know that story, go back to Genesis. A lot of great stuff there. Um, so he cheats his brother out of his birthright. Then he, later on, as he's working to marry this girl, ends up getting cheated, having to marry his, this girl's sister and has to work another seven years to get the wife that he wanted. This is why he's got two wives. He is now 60 years old and he's going home. And he's going home to a brother who's not super happy about him. Right? So he's there, he's just about back to the home of his birth. And it says, after taking them to the other side, he then sends all his possessions over. See, what Jacob knew is that there was a confrontation that was coming, he could sense it. And we've all probably sensed a conf- confrontation coming in our lives. Now, whether it's a confrontation just in life, and work, and your job, whatever social situation, or if it's a confrontation with faith, a confrontation with God, you kind of know that it's coming. I mean, have you ever felt a confrontation that is coming in your life or your faith? And I ask this because if it hasn't happened, it probably will. And the truth is this, how you approach the way that you're going to deal with this confrontation makes a difference in the trajectory of your life. Jacob knew it was coming. He just didn't know what direction it was going to come from. My bet is he thought it was his brother who was going to come over and somehow create this confrontation. And this is true for us sometimes as well. We prepare for a confrontation, but we don't always know where that confrontation is coming from. So then it says, This left Jacob all alone in the camp. And a man came and wrestled with him until the dawn began to break. Now, this happens too quickly as we read it in the English, right? This is a big moment. This is a big story. And it just seems like we're reading it like this left Jacob all alone in the camp. And a man came to wrestle with him until dawn began to break. Now, if you were to tell me this story in your life and you said, listen, I sent my kids away. I sent my couches out to the front yard for whatever reason. And I was home alone and a man came in and we started wrestling. I would say, stop for a moment. Tell me what, what, what? Say more about that. It doesn't really say that much. It just says that this is what happened, right? So now he's alone in the camp and he's struggling for his life with someone he doesn't know, can't identify, and can't seem to beat. But he keeps going. Now it gets really interesting. When the man saw that he would not win the match, he touched Jacob's hip and wrenched it out of its socket. So he recognizes that he can't win, and then he wins very easily. This is a strange way to write this. When the man saw that he would not win the match, he wins the match with superhuman power. (laughs) So he could have won the match. I don't know why he's recognizing that he can't when he clearly does. He clearly had the power to win this easily. So I've been thinking about this and I've been studying and praying. I I think this actually says a lot more about Jacob than it says about this man who can't win the match, who wins the match, right? I think it's the persistence of Jacob that he sees to not give up, right? We've all seen those movies where the protagonist, like, you know, he's getting beat up by the villain and, you know, he keeps getting up and then the villain beats him down and says, don't get up. And he keeps getting up. That seemed to be what was going on with Jacob. He's just hanging on for dear life. He's wrestling with this guy. I mean, if the man could, not, could win with a touch, why did he let Jacob even wrestle with him? But that's the question we have between us and God all the time. I mean, if he could just make it all clear, right? With no questions, could just decide for us, right? Just save us, just show us the miracles. Why doesn't he do that? Why does God seem to hide to not answer and to leave so much up to us? I've been thinking about that a lot. I think it's this. I think the discipleship happens in the hanging on. Jacob wouldn't let go because he knew he was in the presence of the divine. He wanted the blessing that comes from being with God. He wasn't willing to let go unless everything changed. And he knows that that change can only come from the guy who can touch my hip and pull it right out of its socket. So then the man says, not Jacob, even though Jacob is the one who's hurting, he's still hanging on. The man says, let me go. The dawn is breaking. But Jacob said, no, 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 I'm not going to let you go until you bless me. If this were a microcosm of our spiritual lives, this is what our lives would look like. We spend a lot of our lives preparing for the confrontation, not really knowing where it's going to come, but being ready to fight with whatever it is. Maybe it's a confrontation with the way that you think about faith. Maybe it's a confrontation with the struggle that you have and not knowing why God has sent you in a direction that he sent you. Maybe it's a, conversation, a confrontation with a church that has been less than loving or less than caring. May, I mean, there's a lot of different things. Maybe it's a, a, a confrontation with a theology that you've always struggled with in your whole life, right? Jacob thought it was going to be Esau. It definitely wasn't. We think we're planning for a particular fight, but the truth is we need to prepare for whatever the confrontation is. And then what else we learned from this story is that you need to engage that confrontation entirely. Jacob didn't hold back. He went for it to the point that the entity he was wrestling knew he couldn't get away. What if this was the way that we approached discipleship with Jesus in our lives? What if this was the way that we approach this deconstruction or reconstruction? I mean, what if we said, listen, I'm wrestling in the dark at night with someone I don't know, but I will not let go. Sometimes that's how it has to be right? When we don't understand exactly what God is doing in our lives, when we don't understand exactly what we're supposed to be or doing or or seeing or feeling or believing, sometimes we just have to never let go. Jacob just didn't let go. Even when he was vanquished, even when he was in pain, he was adamant about the blessing he would receive if he just didn't let go. See, sometimes deconstruction and reconstruction is also about not letting go. I know that sounds like an oversimplification, but I don't actually think so. You see, if we are just thinking that this process of deconstruction and reconstruction is just finding the right answers, well, then you've really missed the point. Because this process of deconstruction and reconstruction is actually about authentic discipleship. This is where we're going to make a differentiation between learning about our faith and experiencing our faith. The difference between learning about Jesus and learning from Jesus. I've used this example before, but listen, I can stand up here and tell you about my wife for a long time. There's lots of wonderful things to say about my wife. I can talk for hours about how wonderful she is, you know, what she does for our family, how she's so incredibly professional in her job. You know, all these things, I can go on and on, but you've never met her, you don't know her. You just know about her. There's a difference between knowing about my wife and having a meal with my wife and sitting down with her. See, there is a difference in learning about Jesus and learning from Jesus. This is the difference between being a scholar or a theologian and a disciple. We can know a lot and miss the blessing of hanging on for dear life. So this story goes on, actually. So the guy goes, hey, what's your name? And Jacob says, well, Jacob. But you know, because Jacob wouldn't relent, because he wouldn't let go, the man moved into a closer proximity of relationship with Jacob. He knows his name now. By asking what his name was, he moved closer to him. He began to know him in a fashion that he hadn't known before. So maybe this is the question. Are you ready to have Jesus know your name, to move closer to us? Are we ready to reveal ourselves? You see, we've done this deconstruction and reconstruction process, and I wonder if that's all been about God, but you forgot to put yourself in it and forgot to say, okay, if I'm going to reconstruct my faith, I'm going to have to reveal myself to God in a way that maybe I hadn't done before. It's not just about what I know and the pieces and where I put them. It's about actually following Jesus, getting to know Jesus, and letting Jesus get to know me. So the man says this to Jacob, nah, your name's not going to be Jacob anymore. He said, from now on, you're going to be called Israel because you have fought with God and with men and have won. See, this is when it all changed. New name, new trajectory, new land, new responsibilities, new calling. So Jacob receives that, apparently, and says, please tell me your name. And I love this next phrase because the way it's written doesn't feel right, right? Why do you want to know my name? I have a tendency to think that a better translation would be, you know my name. You know who I am. You've been wrestling with me this whole time. You don't need to know my name because you've known my name in your heart forever. That's a really long paraphrase. (laughs) Why do you want to know my name? And then he blesses Jacob there. Jacob wants to know his name because this is the discipling relationship that Jacob wants to be into. And it's a discipling relationship that we are called into, that Jesus would know our name and that we would know his name as well. We want to learn from Jesus, not about Jesus, from Jesus. He was asking a personal question to the man. Hey, I want to know you. And he goes, you know me because I've always been there. But now I get to know you because you've given me your name too. Now you're ready because of the confrontation, because you wouldn't let go. Now you're ready to grow with me. And so you know what Jacob does? Jacob marks the place where this happens, right? He named the place Peniel, which means face of God. For he said, I have seen God face to face, yet my life has been spared. He named the place because this is where life changed for him. This is where discipleship started in earnest. This is where the blessing was received. So maybe the question is this. If you look back in your life, can you identify where is your Peniel? I know it sounds weird just because it's a weird name. But where is that place, that space, that time? when your wrestling and your unwillingness to let go of Jesus finally came to fruition and you started a relationship with Jesus that was different than you had before, that was discipling, where you stopped learning from, learning about Jesus, sorry, and you began to learn from Jesus. Oh, the sun was rising as Jacob left Peniel and he was limping because of the injury to his hip. Because you know That when we wrestle and when we don't let go, it leaves its mark in our lives. And that's true in our spiritual life as well. Why did we ever think that our spiritual journey would not take its toll on us? Why do we think it would be easy, it would be simple, and it would not leave scars? Now listen, sometimes in our spiritual journey, those wounds we have taken... Those those cuts we have received have come from people of faith, have come from church, right? So those scars remind you not to be that guy, not to be that woman, to show love, not anger, to show grace, not rigidity. And maybe some of it has been caused by us, by our misunderstanding, our unwillingness to learn, our unwillingness to be discipled by Jesus. Those scars become reminders for us not to be that guy anymore not to be that woman anymore, to be someone who's open to know the name of Jesus and to give our names to Jesus as well so that relationship can be established in a different way than it had been. Going back to the phrase that Dave said, if reconstruction is wrestling, then I wonder if discipleship is just the not letting go. Hear that again. If reconstruction is the wrestling, then discipleship is the not letting go. We've wrestled and we probably will continue to throughout our lives. But discipleship, that's just staying put, not letting go. But that begs the question, right? What do we not let go of? Well, if you know me, you know what the first one is. Don't let go of Jesus, right? Now, I know that sounds obvious and that's an easy answer, right? That almost sounds cliche, But it's actually way harder than you can imagine to keep your focus on Jesus because our focus changes often in life. Our ideologies, our preferences, our politics, and even our callings sometimes seek our focus away from Jesus. I don't know if you know this, but we're going into an election year next year. Do you remember the last one? Yeah, you all laugh nervously. (laughs) Try preaching through that. Because all of a sudden, everybody doesn't want to see Jesus. They want to know what trigger words you're going to say to find out where you sit. That's not Jesus. That's something else entirely. Right? I'm just being honest here, folks, because it was traumatic. Right? I I got anger from both sides every week. I was too liberal. I was too conservative. And I wasn't talking about any of those things. But it's because we forgot our focus on Jesus. So here's my commitment to you. As we go through this next season, that is sure to be divisive. I don't care what side you fall on. I'm going to talk about Jesus. What you hear has more to do with your focus on Jesus than mine. All right? I'm just laying it out there, this little line in the sand. All those things pull us away from Jesus, right? Sometimes the church calls us away from Jesus because we're so busy doing church stuff that we forget to be a disciple of Jesus. It's not nearly as easy as you think to not let go of Jesus. But we can't let go of Him. We have to hold on for dear life. Another thing that you shouldn't let go of is don't let go of worship. Now, this is important because this is one of the things that goes first when we struggle with our faith, right? But sometimes the ritual of worship can do some of the holding on for us. We need to worship in season and out of season. Worship when you feel like it and when you don't. Worship when you believe and when you are wrestling. I have so many people who the first thing that goes is their worship experience. And I see some of you standing there like, I don't know if I believe all this. I get it. I know that you're not gonna feel every word every time, but don't disengage because sometimes that space that you need to have filled is coming through the corporate worship of the church. And sometimes it's going to help you hang on when all you want to do is let go. But this begs another part, which is don't let go of one another. When we deconstruct and when we wrestle, we think we have to do it alone. And I don't believe that's the case. This is why we brought this in front of you, why we said we're going to do this corporately as a church to see what's real and what's not in our faith. Right, People often stop fellowshipping when they have questions as they are not sure if it's okay to question in the community. I got to tell you, I pray every single day that every single one of our six, soon seven, and coming eight and nine campuses are places where you can question and they are safe places for you to seek answers. Because the truth is this, Are we a community that knows one another? Are we a community of people who happen to show up in the same building at the same time because they believe they believe the same things? Because the truth is, if this is a community, when someone's struggling, when someone's questioning, they're still welcome here. And not only that, they still have the connections to the friends that they built here. A community is not just a group of people in a building. A community is the connections between them. And so, when a brother or sister is wrestling, this is the place they should wrestle. This is the place that we will help them with that. And so, don't let go of one another. Hebrews 10.25 says it pretty clearly. Let us not neglect, neglect our meeting together, as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. Paul, in Romans 1, says, I want to come see you in Rome so that we might mutually encourage one another so that we might grow together in faith. So, by the way, you need encouragement when things are not going well sometimes. So clearly, we're supposed to say. And another thing we shouldn't let go of. Don't let go of love. Listen, we're told God is love in 1 John 4, 8. Perhaps that means that even when we are wondering if God is real, the way we express Or the way that we receive love continues to show us who God is. You see, love transcends our belief in it because love is real and palpable. You can be loved and not believe in anything and still experience who God is. So that means those of us who maybe are a little, I don't want to say further along in a different place in our journey, Can show the love to the brother or sister who is struggling, and they will know God by the love that you give them. That's why we gotta stay together in community. Because love over Zoom and love in the room is a very different thing. Love is our reason why. Even if we can't see or feel God, if we're just wrestling with the concept of God, even love is real, it's tangible, and it's transformative right? First John 4, 8, for God is love, right? The first part of that text says, if you don't, if you don't express love, then you may not know God. So if you say you know God, your first and most important responsibility is to show love. So even in the wrestling, we can always love. Even in the knowing or the unknowing, we can always love. We don't have to have certainty to have love. We just have to have love. So just don't let go. Mark 3.14 says this about Jesus. Then he chose 12 of them to be his apostles. That's not the exciting part. The exciting part is so that they could be with him. So that they could be with him. You see, Jesus is not fleeting. He calls and he cajoles. He bids us come and follow him. Why? So that we can be with him. You see, Jesus wants to abide. Jesus wants to dwell. Jesus is staying. Jesus wants us to hold on. But you got to remember this. Jesus holds on to us as well. It's not just a one-sided relationship. It's not just that we have to hold on to a God who is trying to get away. It's definitely not that. It's that we're holding on to a God we're trying to understand, to a God we're trying to follow. And he's looking at us going, yeah, I'm not going anywhere. And I want you to know me. And I want you to follow me. So Start listening. And in your wrestling, no, I'm not going anywhere. So the whole kind of metaphor that we've been using is how we deconstruct a home, our lives of faith, our houses of faith, if you will, and how we reconstruct those houses with better materials, perhaps. So know this, after everything that we've talked about, Jesus is the indivisible element. Jesus is the thing above all the other elements that we've talked about hope faith community it's really Jesus and we find a fulfillment in all those things in Jesus it is Jesus who is the invisible and indivisible thread that holds all of it together holds our houses of faith in perpetuity it is Jesus who will last so i don't know where you are in your journey in your wrestling in your questions or in your certainty but I know this, if you can't find anything else, hold on to Jesus. Hold on for dear life. Listen to him, experience him, follow him. Be a disciple of Jesus. And listen, if you gotta throw away the rest of it, which I don't recommend, but if you have to, do it and follow Jesus. And I know where Jesus will leave you back to. You see, the church, the fellowship, the worship, the study, it's all gonna be right here when you come back. We're not going anywhere because we've chosen to abide and stay and dwell with Jesus. And if you have to go, but as long as you're holding on to Jesus, He will put you back exactly where you need to be. So wherever you are, deconstructing, reconstructing, questioning, disbelieving or believing, struggling, wrestling, or whatever, this is my only, only wish for you, that you don't let go, knowing that then you will never have to walk alone. Lord of grace, show us what we need to hold on to. And hold on to us when we're slipping. Lord, you've been with us through this process of finding what is real and true and elemental about our faith. And so I appreciate that. And I know it doesn't stop here because a series over is over. That doesn't mean people aren't going to still struggle and people aren't still going to find. But Lord, if we can learn anything today and through these last 10 weeks, may it be that we don't let go of you and that we learn to have a different kind of relationship with you Not one where we just learn about you, but one that we begin to learn from you. A discipling relationship where we can say, I follow Christ and I'm never gonna let go. And Lord, we know that that doesn't just come from us. It actually comes from the provenience of grace that you've given us, the grace before grace, the way you've moved towards us. You asked our name first. So Lord, we don't wanna let go of you. But for goodness sakes, don't let go of us. Accept our praises today, Lord. In all their imperfections, in all their questions, in all their misunderstandings, in all their I'm just about to leave. But may we feel you within them. In your name we pray. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Amen. Stand and worship with us one more time.